1: 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This
0: episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on
1: cars.com.
0: Start tracking your car's value with your garage on
1: cars.com. Chicago everywhere. Check
0: it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here.
1: Well, I'm at Full Go.
0: The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks.
1: Our man. Jason Goff.
0: Three times a week with Jason Goff.
1: His mood is elevated. (laughs) He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about.
0: What up, world? You're listening to the Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify
1: original. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening? How you feeling, brother? Hey, man. How you doing? Ah, man, if I was any better, it'd be illegal. You already know the vibes. What episode is this? 175. 175 for the peoples. 175. Episode 175, Head Tops. Looking forward to uh, what is going to be a a very interesting week here in the city of Chicago, sports-wise. You've got a Bears-Falcons game now that has the intrigue that a Bears-Falcons game wouldn't normally have when you've got two, I'd say, below-average teams facing off. But everybody wants to see Justin Fields, what the next performance is going to look like. Hockey-wise, you know, Luke Richardson is out here putting people in their place, right? You know, the 3-0 loss that the Chicago Blackhawks suffered has some people worried and it's some disturbing trends that are uh, starting to poke their head out. But that's not why you called. You know why you called? Because you want my silly ass to sit here and talk basketball for a little bit, and that's what I'll do. Because you know what I did yesterday. Just so, and yesterday being Monday, right? So whenever you're listening to this, we're taping Tuesday night. So you know, I was I was rolling around like, yeah, man, this is gonna be a a long day today, right? I had to take the little man to school in the morning, so that's that's already, you know. That's already a chore. It's already a whole thing. And yeah, it's a yeah, whole God, God, yeah, yep. God bless my little guy, right? Um, he had actually spent the night over his uh, aunt's house because uh, I had to do the game uh, you know, Sunday night. So he spent the night over his aunt's house, my sister Shayna. He always loves going over Shayna's house. house. Um, actually, I believe he loves Shayna more than he loves me, which is cool for now, you know what I mean? Because she's fun. She's the auntie that gives him everything. They sing oh, yeah. songs. Aunties and, all- and uncles, specifically oh, aunties, that
0: have, they have a special thing. My oh, yeah, fiance's not- that on. Un- that uh, auntie with all all the kids in the family. So I understand.
1: Of course, right? Like, he'll come around my way when he's around eight or nine years old when he wants to know all the cool shit that young men should be getting into, right? And I'm here for him. I'm here for him at all times. That's my man, 50 grand. Drop him off, and then then I start to move about my day. You know, start to record a little bit, start to move around over at NBC, dropped in at the studio to see how everybody was doing, took care of some paperwork there, and then I said to myself, why don't you just go ahead and head over to the Advocate Center? Why don't you just head over to Bulls practice? I hadn't been to a Bulls practice in a mm, few years, couple years. Like I hadn't set foot. And so, well, actually I did set foot inside the facility, but it wasn't for a practice. And I pull up and the mustachioed, a gentleman at the front desk who seemingly didn't know where I was going or why I was there maybe me sit in the lobby for a few minutes. And then when I realized my guy Rob Schaefer could just walk past the front desk, I made an issue. they it. like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I know he's the young goat and all. I know he puts out fire content on NBCSportsChicago.com, but you ain't just going to let Rob Schaefer walk past and give me the full pat down. You know what I mean? My man treated me like I was, you know, a TSA-wanted criminal. So after that transpired, and I, you know, I didn't I didn't make a fuss, but, you know, I, I I, put the screws to him a little bit, right? I looked him in the face. I'm like, so he can walk past? And I can. And then you see his eyes. I'm like, ah, I got you. And then he let me go back to the media room. Then the practice opens up. You know, guys are shooting around. Guys are standing around. Arturis Karnaschovas is over there. Billy Donovan is doing his personal one-on-one time with Ayo You got guys going in the back, going to the whiteboard. Because what happened against the Nuggets simply can't happen for a long time. All the energy and effort stuff, that is too early in the season to be talking that nonsense. And you could tell. By the way, the DeMar DeRozan, because DeMar DeRozan and Billy Donovan met with the media separately uh, because Zach Levine took all the bullets post game of the Nuggets game. Like there are many Bulls players who did not speak to the media and actually weren't available, actually got showered and left because that's how tough a loss it was. And Zach Levine took all those those bullets, took all those arrows. So he didn't have to speak to the media and in their assembled media availability. DeMar DeRozan and Billy Donovan echoed the same things. You know, this team and their effort and, you know, it being early in the season and trying to get back on the right track. And I started to think about what this team really is and how far they can go. And the problem, and while discussing it with guys like Darnell Mayberry, right, Casey Johnson, and my man Rob Schaefer was there, right? You know, Will Gottlieb from CHGO Sports, like the, the, the usual cast of characters while talking with those fellas and just talking with basketball people overall over the last couple of days about the Chicago Bulls, this roster obviously is flawed, okay? The roster's flawed. You got a team that isn't isn't a volume three-point shooting team, which they kind of have to be to play with the rest of the league, right? To keep up with the Joneses. But The bigger issue that I think that is going on here right now, and I don't know how they get out of it, is the dependency on DeMar DeRozan and sometimes Zach Levine when he gets healthy. Now, that's not a knock on those dudes at all. It's just when you've got a squad that depends on those two guys as much as this squad does, then it's going to be easier to try to shut them down offensively. Now, DeMar DeRozan said that he didn't think that the offense was an issue, that that's not a worry of theirs, they'll get it together. But there's a certain part in the season where you look at your your watch and say, okay, it's it's 15, 20 games in now. You kind of are what you are. And then this is the other part that I'm worried about too. And it's been a growing worry for me. And this worry started at media day and it it hasn't been lessened any since then. The fact, because I don't want to say excuse, the fact that Lonzo Ball isn't around I think is building up so much pressure that when Lonzo Ball does return from a knee injury and knee surgery that has kept him out for going on eight, nine months now, I think the pressure will be so great and so extraordinary. And so I think at certain points it's going to be insurmountable because you're asking a guy to be the savior for a team that really right now... It, They're just dealing with mixed-match pieces. They're just dealing with guys who, you know, don't fit other guys. They've got a a bench. They've got, you know, a a big three, right, in Vooch, Zach, and DeMar, but the guys that they're counting on, there's some young guys in there, like Ayo, like Pat Williams, like Kobe White, who we saw working out on the sidelines trying to get that quad strengthened. I mean, and then you count on some of the vets coming off the bench as well, and Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond. My worry is that, One thing is not going to be fixed before the other thing. The offense is not going to be fixed enough, I think, until Lonzo Ball comes back. But putting that kind of pressure on a player who's injured and coming back in the middle of a season, you know, that's a lot to ask. That's a tall task. So how do the Bulls win? How do the Bulls be better? How do the Bulls uh, get to the point where we're talking about them the way we talked about them at the beginning of last year? And I just don't know if it's going to get back to that. I don't. Like you ask yourself, if you're a Bulls fan, what what was the real team—the first half or the second half? Especially with Lonzo out, you saw the distinct difference. And now that the first 15 games, we've seen much of the same as we saw at the end of the season. Like these kinds of losses—the Nuggets' loss, you know, um, the, the losses going back to the end of the season where they stumbled down the stretch. Who's going to pull you out of that? And who's going to tell DeMar DeRozan? who is a deity in that locker room to some of those young kids, hey, by the way, we're going to have to take you off the ball a little bit. By the way, you got to, you know, you got to share the ball. And when it's not trap heavy, like when the Toronto Raptors two games back-to-back put the blueprint out there for any team in the NBA playoffs, they will face off against the Eastern, they'll they'll face off against in the Eastern Conference. Hey, trap the shit out of DeMar. Trap him at half court, trap him when he touches the ball, and he'll get rid of it, right? Because I think he did a good job getting rid of it in those back-to-back games. But when he has the option to get rid of it or the option to score, the option to drive, that's when the true offensive woes or worries, I think, come into play. You know, and it's, it's, it kind of reminds me uh, of the, you know, the, the Ben Gordon era where, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan and Ben Gordon, you know, obviously two different players, two different sizes, but Rock with me on this. The Bulls relied so much on Ben Gordon to a point where you have people in the organization say, hey, man, we can't, this isn't a sustainable diet, right? This, we can't live off of this. And he's a six foot two shooting guard who comes in and lights you up in the fourth quarter. But in the end, the deficiencies on the defensive end and some of the things that he couldn't do ball handling and playmaking-wise, which I think Ben Gordon zapped every bit of potential out of his talent and had himself a fine career. Uh, No, he's been struggling as of late with some issues, you know, I would say off the court because he's not in the NBA anymore. And, you know, I'm I'm always rooting for Ben. You know, I know some of the things that he's, um, you know, found himself in lately has been uh, not flattering, to say the least, but I'm always rooting for the dude because while he was here in Chicago, he was always straight up and stand up to me. You know, he always was available when guys on that team weren't available in some very tough moments. And when he didn't get paid and had to go to Detroit, he had it like a G. But we saw that era. And with what happened in the first season of the DeMar DeRozan era here as a Chicago Bull, he hit some amazing shots. He hit some contested shots. He was outstanding. He played at an MVP level. But when you zoom out, you know, you heard the common, the constant theme coming out of Billy Donovan was we can't live on this. We can't live like this. They're going to have to play a different brand of basketball. Coming into this season, we heard, got to have more randomness. Can't be stagnant with the basketball. While also trying to bring Zach Levine back into the fold, getting him healthy during the regular season, it's kind of hard to ask DeMar DeRozan to dial it back a little bit or find other people when, for the first couple of weeks of the season, it was one game off, one game on for Zach not playing in in the back-to-back situations. Now that you're going to have a full month of a regular NBA schedule where there's no back-to-backs, you're going to see this team gel a little bit more and, Offensively, become a little bit more uh, reminiscent to what we saw, I think, in the last you know last year. But for me, for me, the questions surrounding this team have grown. Like there wasn't a lot of drama around this team coming into this season. Which, if you look up and down the Eastern Conference, there was a lot going on, right? You had, you had the Brooklyn Nets thing, obviously that that did not die down. In fact, <laughs> it was more further inflamed, I guess, uh, with the Kyrie Irving situation. And by the way. Watching right now the first half of this Brooklyn Nets Sacramento Kings game while we're while we're taping here, Jock Vaughn. I got a ton of respect for the dude, but bringing Ben Simmons off the bench, I, I I hope it works. But putting that guy on the bench and then calling him a backup five, and you know making him more responsible with the second unit. Hopefully, you know igniting that flame or putting that battery in his back to be more responsive and more uh, aggressive. I hope it works, but. That dude and and a, and a buddy of mine put it in our group chat. Uh, my man, Big Joe, said his stats were awful. I think Ben Simmons is averaging 6.6 assists and 6 rebounds in 27 minutes a game, something like that. That dude is in the perfect prison, which is your mind. And I'm not one of these guys who, when it comes to those kinds of things, yeah, we can get these jokes off. But if we're going to have the real conversations— then yeah, it's it's a tough thing to watch. It's a tough place to be. And then also m- money further exacerbates the, the dire situation that, that is the Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons, right? Like when you're getting paid that much money, the pressure doesn't lessen. So now that you've been put on the bench, it looks even worse. So the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference had their storylines coming into this season where it was uh, a lot of mess around the teams, right? The Bulls didn't have that. And as this season is going on, these storylines have started to pop up. I'm not saying it's mess, but talking about energy and talking about effort in the first 13, 14 games of the season, yeah, that's a button that you can only press so many times. And Billy Donovan, um, you know, Casey Johnson poses the question to him about, Uh, you know, what are you going to, you know, that's on the players. No, it's not on you. You're you're a coach. You bring the same energy every single day. At some point, the players have to be self-motivated. And Billy Donovan did as well as he could to kind of, you know, make sure that his players didn't feel that he was throwing them under the bus. But he answered the question and said, yeah, it is on them. What I'm wondering right now is how does this team see itself? Because if Io DeSumu and Goran Dragic are your point guards and they have two different styles, and obviously experientially there's, there's a big difference between Goran Dragic and Io DeSumo. Goran's been in the league for a decade plus. Io was is coming into his second year. But both guys are on the court with the two best players on the team, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And if I'm Io, I'm watching how Goran moves around both those guys because Goran Dragic, let's face it, knows who should have the ball, when they should have the ball, and how they should have the ball. He's done that and done a a marvelous job with the second grouping. For Io, I kind of get this vibe, and you go back to Oklahoma City. I don't think it's any weird thing to say. I mean, go back to Oklahoma City with Billy Donovan. He's had Chris Paul, right? He's had Paul George. He's had Russell Westbrook. He's had Kevin Durant. Coming into the NBA game as a college coach, you know who you can get on, and you also know where your bread is buttered. You know when guys are going to be talking about you as a quote unquote players' coach and how far that'll carry you. You know, at the next stop, you'll be adding DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to that list. I was talking to one of the uh, writers at the uh, Advocate Center about this, and, and you know, he brought it up to me, and it was an astute point. Like, yeah, man, he knows. You know, there's a game within the game. If, if the the run here doesn't work out. When you move on to the next spot, you can now say, I coached Lamar DeRozan, I coach Zach Levine, and, you know, I got those guys under my belt as far as developing them and seeing great seasons through with them. So he's not going to take the ball out of their hands because, one, you need those guys to feel a certain way to win, and, two, more times than not, when the Bulls get down, you look around and there's not a lot of drivers and creators on this team. Like, that's the part that, that I think we haven't talked enough about. Like, their their defense has been fine, right? They, we know what their shooting walls are, but who puts pressure on the defense in a drive and kick and creation kind of situation? Right now, Zach Levine is trying to get back to it, right? But he, he got to the to the rim the other day and everybody thought he was going to dunk it. He smoked the layup. So he's still getting his rhythm back. He's still shaking that rust off and he's still building up strength in that knee. But they need Io DeSumo and And... I hate to put this on the guy, uh, I, and I'm not going to call him a kid because I don't want to be disrespectful. I hate to put this on a young man, but they need Ayo Sumu to take the ball, like literally take the ball and understand dribble, pass, shoot, which is what Billy Donovan talked about in the in the press conference. Dribble, pass, shoot. It's a hard decision to make for a young player. So he has to understand, what this is my ball at certain times. I am the point guard on this team. And he has to go about it with such a, uh, a, you know, the leadership qualities that he had at Illinois, some of the leadership qualities that he's shown as a rookie, now a second year player in terms of how he's listened, how he's applied things. I would assume who has to be a driver, a penetrator, not just a spot up shooter. Like I I think he's been relegated to a guy who runs to the wing and, and spots up from distance. And especially on fast breaks, he's, he's been caught in a lot of secondary breaks as well, just being out there and, and driving, uh, I should say receiving uh, the kickout pass after a drive. He is one of the few guys on this team that can actually drive to the hoop. And this is the other thing too, transition-wise, they've turned over the ball a lot in transition. So he has to be responsible for getting them together in their transition offense as well. Uh, this team, I shouldn't worry about offensively, but the data and the sample size is growing larger and larger even though they don't have Lonzo Ball. And even though Zach Levine is working his way back from surgery, this team should be a lot better than they are offensively. What's happening is the NBA is, is like we talk about on this pod all the time, the counterpunch is happening. We saw y'all last year, nobody, the, the Bulls ain't sneaking up on anybody. So this is how we're going to defend DeMar DeRozan. This is how we're going to defend Zach Levine until he's at, at full uh, capabilities. And also, this is what you can do and the, the history has shown you can do to Nikola Vucevic. If he's going to be deferential out there at three, tippy cap. Tippy Cap. If you're going to hit four or seven or four of eight or 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 four or four five of those, hey, you had a good night. But the nights you go to for seven, we've won that position. We've won at the center position. If we're going man for man. So, um the Bulls have an interesting conundrum now going forward. Billy Donovan, is he going to be able to Uh, get the offense to recognize its faults and not have them reflexively revert back to their old ways because they're down or because they're tired or because it's a need situation and and I don't trust it right now because we got to win this game. So how are we going to win this game? Tomorrow's going to have to shoot or Zach's going to have to shoot. When this team realizes that other guys on this team have to be... uh, paid attention to and have to be accounted for, that's when this offense will look like it's supposed to look. You had the Denver Nuggets come in here with Nikola Jokic who scored eight points and dominated the game by far. He was the best player on the, on, the, on the court by far. Michael Porter Jr., he had his 15 points in the first quarter. Jamal Murray is coming back from that ACL and looking like a, a true stud once again. And they've got a bunch of dudes, Bones Highland, a bunch of guys running around here who are fantastic energy with either off the bench or starting. But Nikola Jokic is the engine. That's the back-to-back MVP. And he came into the United Center and dominated the basketball game, in which he only took five shots. He only took five shots and the Bulls lost about 20-some-odd points because he knew he didn't have to put the pedal to the metal. He sensed their energy early. If teams are going to feel like that, then you got to check them out of it. You, you, you got to make sure that, that you are taking into people's heads every single game. The Bulls have earned nothing in terms of respect. You know, last year was their jump to relevancy. Now you on everybody's radar and on top of it, they think they could beat you. So we'll see what this new Orleans game looks like on Wednesday night. We'll we'll see what the following week looks like. You know, Paolo Bancaro is all is a boatload of talent coming in your face. Hey man, that dude does not care. Like I've seen three or four games and him go at veterans, like him go at dudes who are guarding him that are renowned defenders. And yeah, you know, he's going to take his rookie shots and he's going to have his rookie moments. But you got some guys in this next week or so with the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic with Paolo Bancaro. And, of course, this, you know, this New Orleans Pelicans team with Zion Williamson, who's got, I believe, a foot injury right now. But Brandon Ingram showed you, right? C.J. McCollum, he busted out of his slump uh, tonight as I'm watching here, you know, on Monday night. Like, uh, on Tuesday night, I should say. They, they've got some, they got some guys. So we'll find out, you know, they, they had a three-day rest and we heard about effort and energy. After that three-day rest, now that they've had a practice and they've had an emphasis on whatever the hell they're emphasizing in practice, I want to see what this team is really about and and what their calling card will be going forward. Because if we did all of the ringing of bells and, and, and planning of parades when they got off to their hot start last year, right now it's okay to be worried about this team. I'm worried about them. I'm worried about the construction of this squad. And I'm also worried about them only winning games sheerly on talent. Like, what is your characteristics? What what is your true identity as a basketball team? And what can you rely upon? And 14, 15 games into the season, it's tough to still be asking that question. And it's even tougher. It's even tougher to me to then have to say, but wait till Alonzo Ball comes back. What does that do in Alonzo? You talk about pressure. (laughs) I got to come back here and save the day? Or can I just come back here and ease myself into the game? You want to have a soft landing for one of your premier players when he comes back. The pressure's already going to be there the moment he suits back up. It's up to the Bulls to make sure that they regulate how much pressure it actually is. All right, coming up next here on the Full Go Podcast, a friend of the show, a guy who is not scared of that smoke, I hit him up as soon as I saw Justin Fields running rough shot over the Detroit Lions defense, and he said, "What time you need me?" Our guy, Dominique Foxworth from Debatable from ESPN, and of course from the Dominique Foxworth podcast, joining us next right here on the Full Go.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is
1: gone for the win.
0: Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a
1: Spotify original. Dominique is a pops. You know, Dominique, oh, yeah. I've heard you talk about your little man and, you know, his nature in terms of handling things. Um, first fight that he got into, how did you react as a pops?
0: Oh, man, he goes to a, a, um, a Quaker school. So they are... Very nonviolent. So the reaction I had. See, the thing is, like you haven't imagined. You imagine what what your kids are going to be, and you imagine the things that you're going to have to teach them, and the ways that you're going to have to push them and challenge them. And you could be wrong, because like I, I grew up like in a middle-class, but, like, I was one step away from from a little bit of trouble at Adjacent. all times, so, yeah, I was, yeah, as, as is the case for many Black people who find some success, you only one degree away from your cousin who been to the pen, you know, and, like, even my friends and family, like, the, we moved, I remember when we moved out from my grandma's house in Emerson Village in, in Baltimore City, we moved out to Randallstown in the county, we moved out there, to the mall, had a sax in it. It was nice. Within three years, the sax was gone. Within mm-hmm. 10 years, the mall had closed. <laughs> and, and things Randall's were happening town, in the area. Yeah. <laughs> and Randallstown was the high school. It was my home school I was supposed to go to. And my mom was like, you know where you're not going? It's Randallstown. Mm-hmm. They was good at football, but they was not good at graduating. So, <laughs> so she sent us to a, a magnet school um, mm-hmm. in
1: Katesville. But anyway, she should. long she story should. short,
0: I imagined that what I was gonna, since I made a little bit of money playing ball, that what I was gonna have to do is figure out how to make sure my kids was tough. Boy, that is not a problem for the for my son. I'm I've been trying to tone him down my whole life. It ain't working. He's fighting with grown man referees in his flag football game. And it's like, come on, you. I, I think you know, like you think, um, you just drop him in the hood for one week and you scare him straight, tough. No. Move. No, I may you not get tougher? him back. I may not get him back. He, he might be like, "Yeah, this, this, this is where I belong." So, we, we trying to soften my man up. We gonna get. I'm sorry, that's not what we came on here to talk no, about.
1: Yeah, I got you, you. I, <laughs> you. Yeah, you I, can, just, you know, I just I just nerve, brother. You I, you struck I, a hey, nerve. listen, I just dropped my guy off, and he is the opposite. Like anybody who talks to me about my kid, the first thing I mention is, "Oh." Theater, performing arts, yeah. all those things, that's going to be my guy, right? And, yeah. hey, listen, I'm pushing I in it. those directions. But hey, we had that talk where it's like, hey, man, we don't start anything, but we don't allow ourselves to get abused in any way, shape, or form. And that's not what daddy instills in you. We don't start anything, but we finish it. And his eyes was like, oh, word? And, I, you know, my little theater student all of a sudden turned into, like— <laughs> oh, that's where we on? I'm like, oh, shit. All right, let's dial it back the whole All ride right. to school today. I'm like, hey, man, you're going to have a good day today. He was in the back. It, like I told Tony just now, like M.O.P. was playing in his head oh, the because I was like, oh, I'm going to get a call
0: today. I don't know who introduced my son to, to um Eminem, but he, he be vibing to Eminem. This man, I walked in his room at bedtime. He said, Alexa, play Dreams and Nightmares. I turned around and walked out. Oh, he, he's he's nine. So
1: it sounds like your it son.
0: It like your son is a bit of a sponge. That like he's or more clay like, where it feels like he'll respond to the things that you tell him and push. I'm, I have a different issue. I gotta figure <laughs> out. My man has been through the kiln already. He is <laughs> fired. Right. I got fired. He's fully glad formed. Had to school, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he know what he is, and he not he not trying to be. Uh, yeah he is not trying to be molded. We're working on it, though. we're gonna get there yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt. you got a long way to go. uh, you mentioned why you jumped on, and I appreciate your time as always, man uh the Justin Fields thing. Right. The first time you came on this pod, I appreciated it. And you uh you you laid the law down on your sentiment that I agreed with, right? But you know, everybody got on you about him asking for a trade. Fast forward now to where we are. Yeah, I know. Fast forward to where we where we are in the Justin Fields young career arc. All right. What I don't understand now is The fact that we're getting these things to finally evaluate, I think, should be the fun part of the rookie quarter or second year quarterback trajectory. And now we're getting into that weird mode of all he is is a running back who's playing quarterback like that shit is starting to come out here in the city. I'm like, hey, guys, relax, you know, put your Oakley's away, your pit bulls that are riding American flags, you know, tuck those away (laughs) and and, and allow and allow for the the maturation Uh. to take place. What you see out of Justin Fields as a former defender and as a current observer of the passing scene, how does this thing turn over? Because now we've got a baseline of what he can be, and he's, he's tasting some success by moving the chains, but he still don't have a lot of resources around him. So what's the next step in the Justin Fields evolution as you've seen it in your time in the NFL?
0: I'm with you. We just got to the fun part. I don't know, like, Bears fans ain't never had a quarterback. Why y'all acting like you got high expectations now? Like, enjoy this. Like, I understand the life cycle that we go through with quarterbacks where it's like, is he good enough to play? Can he be great? Then it's like, has he won? And somewhere in there, it's like, what's wrong with him? Then if he wins, it's like, can he be the greatest ever? Like, it's a life cycle. I get you. But why y'all speeding through the fun stuff? Like, this reminds me of the parenting conversation that we just had. Like, why y'all in a hurry to get to the teenage years? From what I understand, that shit is a mess. <laughs> so, like, enjoy <laughs> the times where they still look up to you. And they still think that you're you a are god on earth. And they want mm-hmm. to be like you. Enjoy it. Why are Bears fans so fast to, like, be upset and be mad? And the thing that comes to my mind for him is... And I get mad and I yell at anybody who brings up Josh Allen as a comparison because it's such an aberration that one season leap that he made uh, from being a bad quarterback to being one of the best quarterbacks in football. Expecting that out of anybody is, is unlikely. However, if you look at Justin Fields, the way he ran through a man, on a he put that man out of the game. Yes, I ain't he never did. seen that in yeah. my life. I I, I I know the man's name, but out of respect, I'm not gonna say it. Cause he yeah. ran through that safety and put him out the game and he ain't come back. So like the big leap that Justin Fields or excuse me that Josh Allen made wasn't really him as much as it was what they put around him. It was Stefan Diggs. And Josh Allen struggled against man coverage in the passing game. And the same can be said for uh for Justin Fields. But they went and got Chase Claypool who is not a man beater. So Justin feels you can expect his running ability. You're going to expect defenses to play a lot of zone because you play man against him, then he can get out the pocket. But you can also expect more aggressive defenses. You can look at what the Ravens face a lot. And you guys have the good fortune as Bears fans to kind of have a pioneer who's already doing what you guys might want to work in the direction of is what the Ravens face a lot is blitzes. And that's why you need somebody that's going to make them pay. And I say this all the time. People think that the answer to a blitz, to seeing a bunch of blitzes is protection. That ain't the answer. The answer, in my view, is cracking somebody's head for a big play. Because if they blitz you and you pick it up and you get five yards, they're like, all right, fine. I don't care. I'll do it again. Because the worst you're going to make me pay is five yards. If you blitz them and they bust one for 45, then they're going to be like, oh, we can't mess around with it anymore. And that, to me, is where the receiver comes into play. And Mooney got a little bit of it in him, but not enough. He's not a true, true number one. Claypool, he can make big plays, but he's more contested catch. I want somebody that's going to freak you off the line and get loose immediately and have an outlet for Justin. So we're at a point for him in the evaluation process that you know he can be special. And now to find out how special he can be, it's going to be what you put around him and... Uh, that's going to be where we really see what uh fluce and polls can can do.
1: So one more question on Justin before I get to this mentality that I addressed on the last podcast about tanking uh in the NFL. You mentioned Lamar Jackson uh comp and coming out of Louisville, we saw what Lamar Jackson did as a passer, but he was still still questioned for for whatever reasons people wanted to question him for. And then he gets to the NFL where an offense isn't designed for him and he goes in there and looks better than a rookie should. And then the second year goes absolutely shit, and people are still questioning it. For Justin Fields now, a guy who came out, well, of high school and went to a semi-pro system in Georgia and then went to what Ryan Day is running. There's a lot of things that people are doing in the NFL to these days. We've seen him be able to throw the football to people who are better than the people who are covering him and also with a less, pre- uh, less pressure than he's receiving here in the NFL. So now I'm wondering, do people think he can't throw the football or people think he can't read a defense when a pocket is clean. Like I, I'm thinking about like, what's the next step of this? Because I don't know. We, we got so much of a small sample size when it comes to mobile, quote unquote, mobile quarterbacks and how they've been coached. And now that what the data says is you need somebody to be able to move a little bit. So what's, what's, what's next in terms of, yeah, he can throw the football. It's just the resources that are around. Yeah, I mean, you got to put those resources
0: in to prove it. Like, I think we know he can do it. And because of his athleticism, athleticism, a lot like Josh Allen, um, and I'm going to keep using Josh Allen as the comp because Josh Allen gets some benefit of the doubt for whatever crazy reason, I guess, maybe because, I don't know, he's tall or something. What? <laughs>
1: okay. I <Yeah. That> <laughs> mean, let's uh, keep it funky. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: So <laughs> I think, and Josh Allen's accuracy was his issue, and it got better with the, the help. So I think knowing that he can do it and seeing it happen, I guess this goes back to something that we talked about before. Is uh, on the last time I was on here. Is I don't believe in the idea of bus, Really. Like I guess there are certain circumstances where quarterbacks or players just are not committed or aren't good enough or were a part of some fluky system in college but by and large particularly first round bus you don't get drafted in the first round if you ain't good at something somebody saw something and i think the important thing to do is to lean on that something until you can develop the other things so right now it's proven to me based on what i've seen from Justin Fields in the last several weeks that he not a bust like he got ability to build around He's got talent. What happens from this point forward is like, it's a little bit luck, a little bit of randomness, but it's also a lot bit coaching and decision-making around him and roster construction. So the hard, you guys did the hard thing, found the guys, the hard thing, you found a guy. You found one. You've been looking since, I don't know, Sid Luckman. I don't (laughs) know how far back. (laughs) You got one. So uh, whoever out there talk about he just a running back and I, I don't know I ain't heard that because maybe I've blocked those people on Twitter.
1: Yeah. But yeah,
0: if yeah. if that's if that's what y'all see then y'all ain't watching football like, cuz I imagine that those same people would die for Josh Allen and that's what you got on your hands. He got the same level of ability with a better like college resume and worse talent around him. So yep. you just got to fill out the roster around him, um, continue to modify the scheme and add more pieces as he keep, continues to master the pieces that you've added to him. But that man ran through a human, <laughs> a 200-pound human, and sent him <laughs> to the locker room. And then he outran yes, a he number did. one first-round cornerback and Jeff Okuda. He threw a pick six. Yes, he ain't perfect. But y'all asking this man to do a whole hell of a lot. So and then at the same time, you're trading away pieces that could be useful. Like, I get it. You don't, you don't wanna you don't wanna pay uh Roquan Smith. That's fine. I get it from a roster construction standpoint. The timing may be off and you don't wanna pay off the ball linebacker, blah, blah. Trade away Robert Quinn. I get it. He's an older guy. He's not gonna be around if you make the run. Like I get the the rule, the decision that poll decisions that polls have been has been making. They're justifiable. I don't love the Claypool one. Cost you a second. You're gonna have to pay him too, and he doesn't seem like the guy that um, is gonna unlock uh, Justin Fields. But that's fine. Uh, Receivers seem to be one of the easier things to find in the draft as of late.
1: So I want you because I know you got to go, and I appreciate your time. I wanna I wanna get the last question in there. On that note, you, you. We were part of the Ravens organization. You saw how they did things. I brought it up in my last pod. It's teams like the Steelers, teams like the Ravens, you know, they, they wasn't drafting fourth and fifth overall. So to me, I'm trying to figure out this tank win mindset that a lot of fans here Hate in the city have. And I'm like, one, one, you're taking the fun out of being a fan, and especially when you're supposed to beat a team, right? Like, t- tell me what the inside feels about that tank win mentality, especially when you've already got the quarterback. (laughs) I never been in an organization that did that.
0: I I played for the Broncos. I played for one year in Atlanta and I played in Baltimore, like reasonable organizations that have self-respect and understand that, that football ain't basketball. There is not a guy out there that you can drop in. And football is a lot more about culture than you think because football is such a complicated, complicated is the wrong word. It's complex. It's a simple game, but it can be quite complex. And the reason why culture matters is culture to me is an amorphous word that people don't always get what it means. But to me, it means like expected behaviors and activities and processes. These are the things that are expected. So for example, this is a a throwaway example. With the Ravens, we would have um, meetings at my house once a week to watch film, just the DBs. And we ain't tell the coaches about it we wasn't trying to get a cookie we it was like it was understood that that was a culture of the ravens mm-hmm. and that's what we that, like that's a small example and and like you see people like i don't know in practice we would do this thing where it was like no hand claps or ass slaps in practice that meant we wasn't out there congratulating each other on on practice and you never clap your hands when you mess up like that damn like my no, bad. no 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 like no we not out here for that that's not the things that we that we um Encourage. And, and so, like building that culture, you can't be out here purposely throwing games, and I'm not saying that the bears door. This is what had me so upset um a few years ago about the dolphins. We came to find out that part of the organization was trying to tank and part of the organization was not. And I got mischaracterized as saying it was about the health and safety of the players. It wasn't about the health and safety of the players. It was about one, you have an obligation. So aside from it's actually being bad for you because you're you're creating a culture, of, like, losing? Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I'll take the profanities that were thrown around no, yeah, my head out, yeah, yeah. but you create a culture of losing, A. And B, the big thing that pissed me off is you don't know how hard it is to get to the NFL. Can you imagine, for a second, like, forget whatever you, dear listener, whatever you are doing, forget what you're doing. Think about when you was eight. Think about when you was 10, when you dreamt, your job would be. Now, imagine that you get to that opportunity and you are there and they have an expectation of you and you have an expectation of them. And the expectation of them is to put you in a situation to succeed. I was incensed at the idea that we put our bodies on the line, we put our brains on the line, we sacrifice, don't get paid through college, through high school, all these other things. And we finally got to the league. And for most guys, you're not a first-round pick, so you ain't even made the money yet. This film, in your reputation, is going to determine how much money you're going to make. I got a big deal to go to Baltimore in part because Atlanta drafted Matt Ryan, and we won his rookie year. If we'd have lost, I wouldn't got no money because nobody signed no damn losers. And so the idea that you put this all in and now you are here, finally at your dream, about to make it happen. And some motherfuckers
1: mm-hmm.
0: above you are like, nah, fuck your dream. We're going to lose because we want to get to her. Eh, don't get the, f- like, <laughs> that's, that's what infuriates me about tanking. And also, it ain't good for you. It ain't, it ain't, you, you can't build nothing like that. Like the who the you Browns know that's been doing tanking that? for <laughs> Yeah, who you know in football that's like intentionally tanking and built a long term success. It don't work. It's too many guys. It's fifty three guys. You can't turn a culture over that quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the fan part of it, like. You, you play playing the Lions. Uh, you should be better than this team. You got the better quarterback on the field. Those, I want to see hard work that's paid off throughout the week come to fruition at the end of the week so that they can keep working hard and understand the taste of success. I, you know, I, I understood it when it was two teams doing it, you know, when, in the NBA when Tim Duncan was the, was the goal or Zion Williamson was the goal, but when six, seven, eight teams are doing it and you've already got your quarterback. <laughs> like, you usually try to do this to get the most important position filled so that you can get a C.J. Stroud or some of these other dudes out there. You got Justin Fields. True, but the point that I want to make, and I make
0: this point all the time, is the best quarterbacks in football, right now, are guys that came into good situations. While you may think that Patrick Mahomes is the reason why the Chiefs are outstanding, let's be honest. The Chiefs were incredible with Alex Smith. Then they dropped Patrick Mahomes in it. The Cowboys were good. Mm -hmm. Then they dropped Dak Prescott in there, and he got better. The same is true for everybody. I mean, Russell's not good now, now, but when they dropped him in a good situation, he developed into one of the best quarterbacks in football. I feel like Joe Burrow might be the only one who we dropped in a stink situation, gave him some great receivers, and all of a sudden, they were good. Lamar Jackson dropped him in a pretty good situation, and he turned into something special. Josh Allen, they surrounded him with talent, turned him into something special. So y'all out here thinking, like, this ain't the NBA. I, I can't. I, nobody can name for me a time when you just, they just, a team was terrible in football and then we got one player and then they got good. No. What you see more often than not is terrible teams keep ruining talented quarterbacks. Like, that's what happens more often than not.
1: So stop with this tanking bullshit. It ain't good for nobody. Yeah. Good drafting is better than high drafting. That's how I see it. Dominique, thank you so much. We'll continue to check you out on Debatable, the Dominique Foxworth podcast. I love the segment with you and your wife. Always love hearing you guys chop it up, man. You're doing an outstanding job and I appreciate your time, brother.
0: Oh, anytime, man. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. (sighs)
1: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? That's all the time we have for episode 175 of the Fogo Podcast. want to thank our guest, Dominique Foxworth, for hanging out with us. Make sure you check him out on ESPN, on all the shows, right? He's on Get Up, he's on uh, Debatable, and of course, He's got a really, really good podcast, the Dominique Foxworth Podcast, where he, uh, he and his producer go back and forth about the issues in the NFL from the week past, and the segment with his wife is outstanding. So keep doing your thing, Dominique. Appreciate you jumping on the show. And of course, our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Papa Steve Cerruti and the active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Tony Gill. The fellas, we, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. I uh, appreciate you rating and reviewing it and all the other things that you are doing for us. Sharing it with your family and friends. You know, keep doing that. Keep doing that. We out here with the voicemail 773-359-3103 if you ever want to leave us a voicemail. Uh, we'll throw out some, some topics here on the uh, pod because... When I throw them out on Twitter, it seems like everybody wants to answer it on Twitter, which is not the exercise. So we'll throw out some some topics for the voicemail. Uh, Coming up Thursday, looking forward to talking to Ben Solak of The Ringer about the Chicago Bears and what he's seen out of Justin Fields. And we'll get you ready for Bears-Falcons on Thursday. But until then, we appreciate you hanging out with us here on The Full Go. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other be safe.